What's going on, boys and girls? We have a very terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. It is Thursday, so you know what that means. Me and Steven Obi continue our March Madness brackets with the Elite Eight. That's right, Steve. I win this one. Elite Eight on our Two White Lights brackets. And as promised, we have our debates. We have our opinions. We had the fans voting, and of course... We have to have Stephen I's final votes on who moves on to the next round. Always a really fun episode when we get to do these things. We get to spotlight the lifters. We get to talk about potential matchups. We get to forecast what we think is going to happen at Raw Nationals. And we, of course, give our highly opinionated takes on the matchups that we have. Really fun interview. And we actually have some news this week in the world of powerlifting. The showdown. The ever-popular, highly-anticipated, extremely-hyped meets. Very special announcement that they can possibly get on ESPN. We give you some of the details on that. And, of course, our takes and opinions on what it means for powerlifting as a whole and the future moving forward for the sport. So, really fun episode of Two White Lights for you today. But before we get into that, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen... Go to leftlarbros.com, visit Bros Apparel on Instagram, and see all the designs and all the merch that they have on Instagram. Because let me tell you something, you will not be disappointed with some of the best powerlifting merchandise out on the market right now. I already told you guys how much I love the comp tee. In my opinion, the best. Best looking cop tee in the sport of powerlifting right now. I wore it on the platform. I'm going to continue to wear it on the platform as well. And they also have some terrific stuff you can wear in the gym and just out in public because you're going to look that good while you wear it. If you go on leftlarbros.com, use promo code 2WL15, you can look just as good as the Left Floor Bros family. And that is one of the best company to be in, the Leflar Bros family. So use promo code 2WL15, save 15% off of all Leflar Bros merchandise. We're talking the comp tee, you got their other designs that they have, and everything they have looks fantastic. And also, you get two white lights merchandise on LeflarBros.com as well. So if you want the two white lights tee, two tees, the original logo, the Fight Night logo, and of course the dad hat, you can also get that on LeflarBros.com. Use that promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money. Also, go to Rivalist.net and get yourself some Informed Choice supplements. If you are a USAPL lifter, you're going to want that Informed Choice label on your supplements. You can save yourself some money if you use promo code ANGELO10, get 10% off, or ANGELO15, my mistake, ANGELO15 to get 15% off of your order if you use... That promo code and go to Rivalist.net and get yourself some informed choice supplements for pre-workout proteins, branched-chain amino acids. You can save yourself some money and save yourself potentially a popped drug test. Also, go to Lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. Use that promo code ANGELO10 to save yourself on all stoic gear. I wear stoic gear in the gym, on the platform. It's the only gear I wear. I love the singlet. I love the wrist wraps. I love the knee sleeves. Use promo code ANGELO10 to save yourself some money on all of their gear. Also, 
Make sure you are on Notorious Lift on their Instagram page. Make sure you follow and make sure you sign up for that newsletter. Notorious Lift, you guys already know. No slip drip is a real thing. You've seen the slippers before. You've seen it on Instagram. You've seen it probably in a gym. You've seen the slippers and you know as well as I do that they have the best looking and best feeling slippers out on the market right now. And remember, the reason why I tell you to sign up for that newsletter is because you can't just go on NotoriousLift.com and buy yourself any slipper you want. You have to be on the drops. And trust me, you don't want to miss the drops because they're going to release a color or design that's going to match your gym attire, it's going to match your platform attire, and it is going to disappoint you if you don't get on those drops. And they sell out quick. They sell out super, super, super quick. I'm talking about Arnold sign-up registration for Nationals. They sell out quicker than that. So get on that newsletter as we speak. You should be already signed up for that newsletter. Also, we are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow on Spotify as well. Make sure you are checking us out on those two platforms. We're, of course, available on the Two White Lights website as well. But we're also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. It is Thursday, April 1st, and we got our Elite Eights for our March Madness bracket. Happy April Fools, Steve DeNovi. Yeah, thank you. April Fools as Elite Eight. Yeah, maybe the Sweet 16 part, but... I don't know. What happened on that vote, though? You you did a little poll. Did I win that I, one? I didn't repost it because I lost. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people can't do math. No. The, math is irrelevant at this point. It just it's hot. It's all hot takes and opinions. Facts facts are out the window. Especially when you're doing something like this. Especially when yeah. you're doing a extremely subjective March Madness bracket. All facts are out the window. It's all about hot takes and opinions. I thought my ceiling analogies were completely 100% objective. Yeah, I would, I would say they were. I would say they were objective, yeah, but... for sure, 100%. There's no subjectivity there at all. This is, this is just going by the numbers. This is the, this is the ESPN analytics team of two white lights and powerlifting. Yeah, and by team, it means just you. You're the pretty much the entire <laughs> analytic thing. Like, again, you're the analytics guy. I'm the, uh, I'm the emotional, opinionated guy. Uh, that's that's to the yin to the yang here, but we do have our new fe- we have our next rounds in the two white lights brackets, and like we promised, all the people who are on th- this bracket, Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen, no matter what you want to call it, all the people on here can potentially or have been national champions. So now it's just debating between national champions. Who's the best national champion? out of all these weight classes and all these lifters. Um, there's some contenders for national champions here who have never been crowned one, but uh, yeah, we're getting into the elite, elite categories with these lifters here. 
yeah, I mean, these are all the best. Like, um, there's obviously some people that are going to stick out. And so, um, but at the same time, there's no easy matchups here. And within all of this, these are opinions. There's no objectivity here. I was being sarcastic if people couldn't catch on to that. These are opinions. And we very well could be wrong about a lot of these. Like, mm-hmm. this is just a complete guesstimate of what we believe based off of training, based off of past history, based on kind of what we're seeing moving forward of who's going to be the best lifter going to the Raw Nationals. And we hope to be putting the best opinion forward. But if we're proven wrong, awesome. Because literally any one of these lifters could possibly be the best lifter at 2021 Raw Nationals. Mm-hmm. And it would not make me upset at all that I'd be wrong about that. Because I, I think all of these lifters are amazing. No, of course not. I'm not going to be – well, I'm going to be rooting for, like, people I have friendships with and people who are potentially on my team of uh, Joe – or team – uh, Joe Stanek, like I might be biased at them, and I'm people who you know are affiliated with Leffler Bros, of course. You know, Jesus and Chrissy. I'm definitely rooting for those two uh, Leffler Bros sponsored athletes. One because they're sponsored athletes, and also my friends. But no, my opinions are wrong here. I'm not going to take like a lifelong take here. Like Skip Bayless is forever on the Tom Brady take. Like he is forever on that take. He's also forever on the LeBron James sucks take. Like, if LeBron James loses, he's happy because his take is correct. If he wins, he's upset because his take is wrong. That's not going to be me in this situation. I mean, it might be the, uh, you, I mean, you, you, you flat out just called me to skip Bayless, mainly because you're not a douche. But, you know, I'll take that with a great assault. But, yeah, if my takes are wrong here, I'm completely happy. I just, uh, you know, I'm opinionated, and we want to get our opinions out there. And I think a lot of the... Two White Lights listeners want to get their opinionated out, their opinions out there as well because people have them, people like hearing them, and people want to hear about the matchups that are going to happen at Raw Nationals. So let's open up here the Leffler Bros brackets with number one, Taylor Atwood, versus number four, Jonathan Keiko, both defending national champions in their weight classes. And the voting on this one? Was pretty high for Taylor Atwood, about 75 to 80 percent for Taylor Atwood. I don't have the numbers pulled up for me right now, but going through this one, people were messaging me that it should be closer on the fans voting that it's showing, and they still voted for Taylor Atwood in spite of saying that. Yeah. So I think that's everyone, right? This this one should be way closer than it. I mean, I think Taylor is just the favorite, and everyone's going to pick him, but like. I mean, I'm being honest. If, I mean, based on the people we have, I think the only people I might not pick Keiko over is Ashton and Taylor. Like, the fact is, Keiko mm, is... Good point. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. He's about to set possibly the standard over the Jesse Norris GOAT total that we've used forever as the standard is, like, not only the best 93 kg total, but, like, the best total in all of USAPL. Ashton still is chasing that in the sense of beating the good list score of that. Keiko's on the brink of beating that. And if he does, that's huge. That is really, really big and immediately puts him up there. And in my opinion, in the, if he breaks that, and even if he doesn't, if he goes 900 kilo plus, that, that puts him probably top three in the USAPL for me in some manner. Yeah. yeah. Just that he's going against Taylor Atwood and – then the argument goes, they're in different weight classes, which one's more impressive to you? Which which dominance is more impressive? Yeah, that's that's exactly kind of where I was at with this one as well. Um, 
I could look at this bracket. I could see Jonathan Keiko going up against anyone, and I could say, with, uh, uh, in spite of maybe two or three people, that he is the be- better lifter. I can make an argument that he's a better lifter than you know all the other people on this list. Um, I, I mean, we're just talking about the Jesse Norris, if you will, of the lightweight classes, and that's Taylor Atwood. Uh, you did bring up an excellent point, which I don't think a lot of people are acknowledging. Jonathan Keiko very well has a chance of taking that Jesse Norris record, that that long-standing, crazy, insane record that people people held on a pedestal for a very long time, and. It was the highest Wilkes, highest IPF score, highest good lift points until very recently when Amanda Lawrence broke it. But in USAPL history, and Jonathan Keiko is right on doorstep of breaking that. But you have Taylor Atwood who has that type of accolade to himself already with that A12 total um, that would rival 83 lifters as one of the best performances of all time. Not just 74, 83s. Like, 83s right now you know, or would, would kill for an 812 total. Yeah, and I think, like, here's where I'm, I'm getting my, my little analytical ideas and how I'm breaking it down. Keiko is trying to beat the standard of Jesse Norris, and he very well may. Taylor is the standard. Mm-hmm. There, there's no standard for him to beat at 74 kilos. He already is the standard. His standard, in my opinion, the only thing that we can kind of compare it against in Chase, in like a sense of like a standard, is like, He's about to beat John Hack's longstanding 813. He, he should. I mean, he really could have. He could have at his last meet easily. Yeah. That. He had plenty in the tank. He could have been the he third best be 83 of all time at his last meet, in my opinion. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe aside from Hack. I, I mean, mean I, not Hack, uh, Gibbs. The record's, the record's 833 for currently. 833, right now, 830, and 825. Um, Taylor went up. He probably could beat 833. But I guess how I look at it is like, you know what? If Taylor hit 812.5, and that was like all out. He had nothing in the tank. I think I could see myself maybe saying Keiko for the reason that he didn't empty the tank. It is me. And I really think he has that extra 50 pounds to beat Jesse. The issue is Taylor didn't empty the tank either. Yeah. Taylor looked like he might've had 820 or 825. If Taylor hits 820 or 825, he's already like, let's see good lift score. He's already about 2.5 GL points ahead of Keiko. And if they both just add another 40 or 50 to their total, Taylor's going to take home, most likely, the best overall lifter award. Yeah. Ashton's going to be in there, but Ashton's emptied the tank a little bit more in his performances. Yeah, I definitely think he has more, but he emptied the tank a bit more, and he only has one good lift point over Taylor. Taylor definitely didn't empty the tank, but Taylor also didn't travel, and I would consider the meat did a little bit more local. Even though the Texas strength system was a local meet, it was Ashton traveled, Sean traveled. It was a prime time session that was at night. Um, it was a different. I can just tell you straight up, I was there. It was not. It did not feel like a local meet. It had a different. It had a different feel to it. Now, were you battling for placing? No, that's the difference between local meets and nationals. Is Ashton and Taylor and Sean and all those people weren't battling for for placing, but we'll see. I mean, Taylor, I don't. I, he, he's always put up great numbers at nationals and that doesn't seem to be an issue and I, honestly if taylor just goes nine for nine he i don't know if he really has to defend too much so it's not like he has to force anything i feel like if he just does what he should it's going to be all on perkins to try and reach for it in my opinion but yeah i i, I think that's where my, my breakdown comes to is like it's hard to compare the two because they're both about to set the standard 
But the difference is Taylor already set that standard. Mm-hmm. Taylor's already the standard of 74. And uh, you could argue between him and Ashton, they're the standard for USAPL in general right now. Yeah, exactly. That's that's where the argument kind of ends for me, is you're talking about someone who's trying to set the standard and someone who is the standard. So it's, again, you put Keiko up against anyone on this bracket, I see him winning, but you're going against Taylor Atwood, which, you know, is is um, is an all-time lifter. I think Keiko could actually be there one day. I think we could be talking the way we talk about Atwood the same way, or we could talk about this, uh, Keiko the same way we talk about Atwood in a few years, because Keiko right now is on this really good trajectory of being that type of lifter. He's not, he, he doesn't do anything stupid. He's very methodical with his training. He's very smart. He's very mature about everything. Um, I could see a lot of maturity also when, you know, he competes. Uh, this is a conversation I've had recently, just through my last performance, and really looking at Keiko is the meets aren't always about killing yourself and going RP 10 on every lift and putting a massive total out there. It's to build to something, but also when you build something, you often put, you, you still put together that total. In Keiko's case, he's putting together all-time totals while doing that. So I only see him progressing, doing extremely well going forward, and you know, maybe in 2022, 2023, 2023, we're talking about Keiko the same way you talked about Atwood. Atwood has a pass accolades, too, to back it up. You know, he's the, in the dominant force in international and national 74 kg lifters. Um, I think Keiko in a few years is going to be that lifter. Yeah. And, I, and if Ashton, Taylor, and Keiko all compete, and Keiko has the perfect meet, and Ashton and Taylor has slip-ups, Keiko can take home best lifter. Yeah. But Taylor doesn't usually slip up. Ashton's getting better, and even Ashton's slip-ups still have him doing s- stupid things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I-, I think, I mean, this is this is really close, and this is way closer than I think people probably thought. Um, but the nod goes to Taylor, and it really comes down to Taylor is the standard. Keiko's trying to be the standard. And this could very well be a different discussion <clears throat> after Nationals, but leading into Nationals, you can't go against Taylor yet. Yep. I agree. And I would give my vote to Atwood. I'm assuming you would as well, Mr. Denovi. Yeah. Yes, and uh, the fans had it too. So it's a clean sweep for, sweep for Atwood. But I think the future for Keiko here uh, is extremely bright, talking about just the best lifter in USAPL in general. I think we could eventually be talking about that one day. <clears throat> All right, and now to our second matchup in the left floor bros region we have number two austin perkins versus number three dennis cornelis and this one i think was it might have been the closest on the men's side yes i think it was the closest as far as voting goes on the men's side with to be expected because i think two or three seed of course you're gonna get a close vote but also just what these lifters can accomplish on that the fans voting went perkins way and I think I'm here. I think I'm here to disagree with that. I think right now, and there's no bad blood that Perkins beat me. I am not bitter at all that I lost against a child in this March Madness bracket. I'm not bitter that me and him both total 800 kilos, and he's like eight kilos below me. I'm not bitter about this. Dennis is the goat at 120, and he is more than likely going to remain the best lifter at 120 this year's Raw Nationals. And I don't think Perk is ready yet to be number one, 
I don't think he's going to dethrone Atwood at this meet. And that is really where my decision is coming in. Who is going to be the national champion? Who is going to have a crown? Who's going to wear gold around their necks when they come to podium time? I think it's Dennis. I am willing to put a large sum of money it's going to be Dennis. And I can't be for certain that Perk is going to win Raw Nationals against Taylor Atwood. Yeah, this is the one. I mean, I didn't. I, I don't have my decision made up yet. I'm still going back and forth. Yeah, and it's really, I mean, if, if you take away Dennis's pass accolades... Um, and maybe maybe you beef up the 120 kilo division just a little bit, right? You put three or more high-level lifters in there who can actually dethrone Dennis. Maybe I'm saying something different. Then it turns into, you know, who has the potential to win and who has a better performance. It just in the grand scheme of things, it just ba- based on best overall lifter and who's putting up the more impressive numbers and the more all-time numbers, then my argument might be skewed a little bit towards Perkins. But with the facts presented to me, it's you have the clear one runaway favorite, maybe actually you no, know, definitely in a least and lesser competitive weight class than Perkins. But still, you're talking about a guy who's been doing it for years and he's going to continue to do it, and he's going to put in totals that are going to be impressive not only in his weight class but also in the super heavyweights as well. And he is going to take home gold. He is going to take home gold when he does that. Perkins could do all the same things, but he just might lose to Taylor Atwood. There's a better chance of him losing to Taylor Atwood than Dennis, you know, losing to anyone else. A much, much better chance. Yeah, and I think my my biggest holdup is if I could for sure say Dennis is going 2150 plus, back to Dennis of 2017. This, this wouldn't be a question for me. Dennis takes this. Mm-hmm. The issue is, is he hasn't he hit twenty sixty one and twenty eighty seven in his last two meets. Yeah, I guess I'm going to be honest about this. It's probably it's mainly because I'm look. I keep, I guess it's probably because I keep looking at Open IPF and I didn't realize this until now. I'm scrolling back on his stuff. Did you know he competed in a USPA meet October fourth? This year, twenty twenty. No. I like, I, looking back now, I, I must have just forgot. I liked it. At that USPA meet, October 4th, he weighed in at 275. So I, I'm, I'm seemingly assuming he probably didn't have to cut weight because I know he's been hanging around the weight he needs to compete at more often for USAPL because that's the goal. He hit 870 on squat, which would be heavier than any squat he's hit in the USAPL at 264. A 562 bench and then 770, 777 deadlift and he missed 810. He, he totaled two. 2002-22-10 at 275. He was supposed to compete at a meet in Arkansas in December, and he didn't. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if there was an injury. It looks like, I mean, my biggest question marks is deadlift. His squat has looked really good, and his squat hasn't been bad. It's been his deadlift that's been off because he squatted 853 um, at Nationals, and that's right up where he usually was. His bench was a little bit down. It was at 534, but that looks like that's back based off of that meet in October. His deadlift was the question mark because his deadlift, he deadlifted 699 where he used to deadlift like 744, and that's where a lot of his total was lost. He, he said in this post in November, on a stiff bar, he hit 705 easy with hook grip, and then he went up to 815 using straps. Okay. With, with kilo plates. So... I'm saying all of this to say that if I'm looking at all of this, 
I have no reason to believe that Dennis isn't going to come back and go 2150 plus. I think I think the evidence of looking at all this is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and considering his current training, too, looks like it's going really well. He just hit 750 by three easy, and he just hit a 545 deadlift. His body weight is sitting at uh, 120.8. So he's right at weight. He doesn't have to cut. Yeah. So Perk made a really good run. He had some huge upsets. Taking down Big Ray. Yeah. That, uh, upsets in the sense of names. Yeah, the second upset. biggest upset that he had was taking down Big Ray. The yeah, first one is me, of course. Yeah. So, because of all that, I'm going Dennis. I, I, I It looks like Dennis has everything on track to go 2150. If Dennis goes 2200, and that honestly looks like a possibility, that's massive. Yeah. I No, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I, I think even – I guess I'm making my decision without that knowledge – just simply, I just, I mean, like what I said earlier, simply due to where they're going to place in the respective weight classes. Um, I almost want to vote for Perk now, just so I don't have to hear him, you know, maybe get on a story and how he's underrated again. But I, yeah, I, I mean, just what you see, and really, I don't know what's, you know, like, I'm confident that Perk is going to put something together at Nationals that's going to make help him make progress. Like I've said in previous shows, the dude constantly performs, the dude constantly goes nine for nine. The dude is such a good executioner on the platform. But what we see from Dennis and what we see from Perk, right, we can't just naturally assume that Perk is the better lifter based on the training that we currently see, right? We can't just assume that because they, they're putting up basically the same shit. I know Midland uh, I know Midland guys don't really post, you know, what they're doing in training, but uh, that's, that's just what I see right now. So if I'm using even those two things... I have to still, I have to still, in this in this sense, I have to go with Dennis because where we had Perk winning against Ray, Ray was a bit on, and I, I told this to Perk, Ray is on a downward trajectory, in my opinion. Actually, it's not opinion, it's a fact. If you look at his past meets, it's all downwards from his best performance. Um, one bigger than the other, right? A bomb out and then a... Still a national championship performance, but of course it wasn't the Ray Williams that we know and expect. It was something less than that. Dennis isn't like that. Dennis is not on the downward spike where he might lose Raw Nationals. You know, he he's not in that position where he's going to get dethroned by another 120. That was really what dictated my decision last round. This round, it, it could have been the same thing, but, uh, you know, again... I said it last episode, I'm going to say it again. I think Jesus has a better chance of dethroning Ray than Perk dethroning Atwood. I know Perk disagrees with me saying that. I am going to keep that opinion until Raw Nationals, until proven otherwise. But that's what I think, and I can't say the same thing about anyone and Dennis Cornelius. I can't say no. that. I mean, it, Dennis was going to take it whether he does. He could do 2050, and he's probably going to take it. Yeah. My, my issue then is like comparing, like, is doing 2050, which isn't even going to win 105s, very impressive if you yeah. win it? No, that actually wouldn't be impressive because you literally were going to be, get beat by probably two or three 105s. If he goes 2150 or 2200, though, that's different, and it looks like he can. It looks yeah. like everything's there. Well, then and then so, if you put that in, you put that total in, then where does that put him with super heavyweights? Puts him in something crazy. It puts him third, right? Yeah, probably third. Uh, I, mean, I mean, if Ray doesn't. Bump it back up from where he was. It could have put him second. Exactly. So that's, and I mean that's what happened. That's what happened at Raw Nationals uh, the year prior. Was you know, 
Dennis had a meet where they actually put him in like second place and uh, in the super heavy. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to go with Dennis on this one. Uh, the fans went with Perk. So Steve, I believe you said you're gonna go with Dennis. Yeah, I'm going Dennis. All right, that is going to be a two to one potential upset depending on who you talk to. A lot of these upsets might not be upsets in people's minds. But uh, I guess with the fans vote, yeah, that's an upset. So, yeah, we have Dennis moving on to the next round. We have a little bit of 120 kilo love. Now let's go on to the women's side like we did last episode. And on to the notorious lifts region, we have Amanda Lawrence and Marissa Inda, both very similar to the Leflar Bros' first matchup, both defending national champions. Uh, One's ranked one and one's ranked five. But you have the standard. And Amanda Lawrence, she is the standard. Hell, she's the Jesse Norris standard, right? She beat him on good lift points. She's not even the standard for for weight class. She's the standard for all women at this point in in tested powerlifting. Yeah, like every I think like even though we're going to talk about some great lifters and like Heather Connor and Daniela and Sam and Bonica and some of the stuff they're doing is insane. And the standard now is Amanda. After that six forty six, I think it was. That's the standard for every female and even male, to live up to going into Raw Nationals. Yeah. So, the thing is, local meet in Minnesota, I believe, where she's from. So we're going to have to see if she can replicate that. But the fact is, she was able to go overseas and have one of her best meets at at that time. Yeah. At IPF Worlds, I believe that was her best meet to date, and she was able to go overseas. So I, I see no reason she can't go down to Florida and replicate that. Uh, we'll see if she can add on that. But if you know, she just if she just puts up the same thing again, that's the standard um, for pretty much all women's weight classes right now. And we and she's a lot like she's going to win on her openers. Yeah, Marissa. We talked about that. Like she might not even be the favorite in my opinion in her weight class. I, I think Andrea Riley has a really good shot at winning fifty two kilo. Um, and while Marissa is a former world and national champion and is crazy, crazy strong, I, I, I'm not sure she's going to add too much to her total. And if she doesn't, it, someone could slip in and beat her for that reason. Um, and at this point now, we're not arguing if these lifters are good. We know they're good. Now we're arguing who's great. And Amanda Lawrence is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Marissa is I, – I, I, I wouldn't – I don't know if I'm ready to say she's not the favorite to win her weight class only because, you know, defending champion, I, I, I give a little bit of leeway to that. But, yeah, you're going against – I mean, they've competed against each other several times, right, as far as best overall lifter goes, Amanda Lawrence and Marissa Inda, and Amanda Lawrence is that standard. Um, I don't think Marissa is in a position to ever catch Amanda Lawrence as far as, like, these, this all-time amazing number to take away – um, I don't think he's going to be setting the standard for good lift points as far as men and females go. So I think it's a pretty easy vote uh, for Amanda Lawrence moving on. Um, the fans thought that way too. Uh, the biggest, I believe the biggest vote disparity between all females. Let me check. Uh, yeah, pretty close. We'll get to some of the other votings uh, soon. But yeah, I think um, moving on to the next round, uh, Amanda Lawrence. And I think we've been kind of alluding to this in a lot of episodes, Amanda Lawrence is going to be in the final round. You know what I mean? Like, or is going to have, like, there's going to be matchups for her, but we kind of saw, like, her just moving on because she is quite literally the best lifter in the USAPL and IPF right now, just based on good lift points. Mm -hmm. So, 
Notorious Lift region, we have Amanda Lawrence. And the next one, another pretty contentious one, very similar to Dennis and Perk. We have Bonica Brown and Sam Calhoun. Again, two national champions going to get it. And we have to decide who's the more impressive national champion between Brown and Calhoun. Yeah, and this one's tough. I mean, this, this, in my opinion, this is by far the closest uh, women's matchup. And it's really tough because there, there's there's check marks that can go either way here. And honestly, literally, as I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm kind of debating this a little bit. Yeah. Um, the fact of the matter is, is most likely Bonica's winning 84 plus, Sam's winning 63 kilo. That, that it would it would be kind of a it would be a it would be a big upset, especially if Bonica lost because she's kind of in her own world. Um, yeah. Ha- hold on. Like she's been doing this since like 2003. Yeah, I mean, she, she, I believe, yeah, she's been competing since she was 14. Yeah, but I, th- I think, like, I don't know, when does her, her dominance start in that weight class, though? Like, it's the longest standing, I think, of any lifter we have on here. Yeah, it's got to be between her and Kimberly Walford. Obviously, Kim Walford has competition now, and that'll be interesting to see. Um, the next coming world's at 76 kilo. Um but, or 69 kilo, I'm sorry. She went down to 69. Um, but yeah, Bonica, I'm not positive on all of this stuff, but I mean, she, she looks like she, I, she has a ridiculous amount of world championships because she does equipped as well. Yeah. She just wins both. She just yeah, goes back and she forth. Might and be the most, she might be the most uh, decorated USAPL IPF lifter in history. Yeah. She very well could. I don't know all the numbers. I'm, I'm not a good IPF historian since me and you are part of the new wave of Lane Norton powerlifting. So we're hated on by the old the old school people probably. Yeah, but um, fuck yourself, old people. <laughs> <laughs> so here's where I come down to. Bon, er, 63 kilo is the more competitive weight class. Not only at nationals, but worldwide too. Sam is going to have to beat two former national and world champions in Jennifer Milliken and Jen Thompson. And the high risers um, coming up in Cameron Brown, and I'm blanking on who the other person we were talking about. Ellie Weinberg? Guess, you know, Cameron, Brown, Cameron Brown was the main one. Of if she's gonna a- kinda... And uh, Weinberg, Ellie Weinberg, too, right? No, she's in 69. Is she? Oh yeah, 57? she's in fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. 57, that's what I was okay. thinking. I was, I was feeling like Allie might. That, that, I think that's who I was possibly thinking. No, it's Cameron's the one that might be able to make that leap. Um, but you got Jennifer, Jen, and Sam there. She's going to have to be two former national and world champions. Um, while is it Amanda? I'm blanking now again. You got Amanda, Amanda and Miller. Sarah. Amanda Martin and Sarah Brenner are very good. Yes. They're not former national and world champions, and. Monica, I mean, if you're just looking at world record, I mean, she's literally got the best total over Amanda Martin. Um, it's not her most recent total, but Monica's best total is 120 pounds over the next best person in the world. Sam, while she's going to win nationals, she's about 80 pounds off the world record total for her own weight class. Now, unofficial world record total. This is open IPF, not IPF world record. So that's where it's like, okay. Sam's weight class is more competitive, but Bonica's more dominant within her own weight class. Yeah. Which the, one? I, the, I'm, I'm starting. I, I I was leaning towards Sam before I started talking about this, but now I'm backing off, and I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's where my argument came in. Is just like who? 
not, that even comparing 63s and 84 plus, it's not it's not as clear as say like 74s against 120s, as far as competitiveness goes. 74s are obviously more competitive than the 120s. I think 63s are more competitive than the 84s, but not by that much. By by a margin, by a you know, I don't even say a considerable margin, but you know, it's just based on the eye test. Yeah, they're more competitive, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready to give Sam that nod just because of the weight class, and we have to start going with these like little stupid things that we have to look at because they're such two amazing lifters. And with with Bonica too, she has closer competition than Daniela or Amanda seemingly have at seventy six and eighty four. Amanda Martin and Sarah Brenner, they're, I don't know if they're going to be able to win, but they're going to actually probably be closer in total than anyone will be to Danielle and Amanda. And yeah. is that an argument that Danielle and Amanda are that just that good? Or is it because Bonica's that good and 84 is a bit more competitive? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good argument to raise. It's hard to really decide that. I don't so, know, when you look at her dominance, when you look at her dominance, when you look at her being the very similar to the arguments I'm using for Dennis, when you look at her just being, I think, the clear favorite to win 84 plus, like she's always done, and her ability to consistently do it, and to consistently put up something of a world record total, I I really, I have a hard time picking Sam in this situation, and I think initially, I, I might have been on the same way you, I was leaning a little bit more towards Sam, because I, I think... I said in a previous episode, absolute killer on the platform, as consistent as they come, meet the executioner, but this is what happens when you do these brackets. You're then going up against someone who has... We, we, we brought this up last episode with Jen Thompson. Jen Thompson, if we're talking about all-time GOAT status, we're throwing her in a lot of these conversations where she's winning. We're talking about the same type of lifter, Monica Brown, but... She's actually going to win her weight class. Here's the one thing. I'm going a little bit back now. We discounted Ray for some down meets. Yeah. Monica's best meet was in 2018. She hit 1488. The issue here, Monica doesn't, I don't know. We had someone reach out to us that basically said, don't discount Monica. Her training is going amazing. But we don't have any of her training. All we know is that her last two meets, her last meet, she totaled 100 pounds less than her best meet in 2018. So at 2019 Raw Nationals, she went 1388. Now, it does look like she may have, like, YOLO'd her final deadlift or something just to, like, maybe it, she, it, she already had it locked up and she's like, let's just go for the all, the American record. So maybe that's kind of why. But even if she hit, like, a deadlift around where she was at, she still was kind of on the, the downtick. And... She's still not. She's still young. She's only thirty-one. So I, I don't expect, and seemingly we don't know if her having any injuries or anything. I don't think she was really kind of probably challenged at Raw Nationals or at Worlds. So maybe she didn't really like have to push too hard for it. So I don't know. Like but, I, I don't know enough to know if she's going to be back to fourteen eighty-eight. If she's back at fourteen eighty-eight, my votes for Monica. But, but if she's not but, back at fourteen eighty-eight, my votes for Sam. But here's the thing: when we talk about Ray, Ray, I think downward downward ticks are a little bit more glaring because of the IPF world performance. You know what I mean? Like his IPF, yeah. he's flat out bombed. I know it was because of a stomach bug and sickness and all that kind of stuff, but 
what happened happened. He bombed. Where that's not the sa- it's not the same thing. You're talking about a, a a downtick in her performance. We don't know the reason for that. You know, possibly a good guest to have on and what was going on within her past like two years of training and what her goals are going forward to Raw Nationals if she's going to match that total. But I just, it's not the same type of uh, lack of progression than what Ray had. So I, I still I really can't use that in this argument here. I really can't use it against yeah. against Sam to really to to uh, hurt her in that situation, especially when he's still considering her numbers. I mentioned this in some past matchup with Monica. Her raw total has gone down, but she most recently hit her best equip total ever. Yeah. So she seemingly is not getting weaker. If she, if she's pring, she hit 1743 equip. She hit her best. She hit the best equip total all time, I believe. So. I don't know, have enough information, but I seemingly am just thinking she just didn't have to push too hard at those last two meets, and it's still there, and if she needs to unleash it, she can unleash it. Sam, she kind of has seen, I, I mean, we'll see, she kind of has seemed to plateau a little bit. She's kind of just, I mean, she hit 11.03 in 2018, and she's just kind of been around 11.03 to 11.30 since then. Yeah. So, yeah, I think as we discussed this, I mean, if we're looking at dominance in a weight class, I, I think I'm talking myself into Bonica. Yeah, I think I, I this is the one. Yeah, I'm gonna say maybe maybe Dennis and Perk was when I went back forth with a lot uh, throughout the week, but this is probably second and maybe tied with Dennis and Perk. Who I went back and forth with, but I just still. And this is another one. This is another one of those funny things where people were messaging me, like the Chance and Charlie situation, where people were messaging me both contrasting things that ended up contradicting each other. Where people were like, Sam should have this, or Bonica should have this. I'm like, okay. So it sounds like there's some disagreements here that actually shows how equal they are in actuality. And I think going back and forth on it so much, I, I, I very similar to my Dennis argument, I have to go with Bonica on this one too. Okay, I'm going to match you on that. I mean, that was a super close one, but yeah, which I will don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can. I mean, if, if we're going tiebreaker on everything, Bonica's the most dominant female powerlifter on this entire list, and she's still dominant. Yeah, I mean, we and again, it's like it's it's like if Ray doesn't have those performances at IPF or that performance at IPF Worlds, you know, we might be saying the same thing about Ray right now. Right, but yeah. like that, that that has not happened to Monica. She is not doing that. She's still she's still the number one person. There's no, I don't see any. I really don't see any conceivable way she loses uh, her crown at 84 plus. Yeah, I could see a more conceivable way of Jennifer Milliken in particular pushing Sam Calhoun than I could see anyone pushing Monica. Yep. All right, so it looks like the two seed is moving on again. Could be an upset in people's minds. Based on the seeding, it isn't. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that could potentially be an upset based on who we look at. But that just shows how close they were in comparison. Again, we're comparing two national champions. Uh, that's where the debate starts to get difficult. So that will do it for the Notorious Region. Now back to the men's side. We have Ashton Rowska, number one, versus Connor Borker, number five. And this person will meet Taylor Atwood. Ashton Rowska had the biggest margin of victory on the fans' vote. Ashton Rouska, if we're going best overall lifter just based on fans' voting, 
Ashton Rouska is like UCLA of the 60s. Just absolutely annihilating people in these fans' votes. I don't think he's like gotten like 10% of votes against him. <laughs> like it's been over wow, like 95% every single time. Maybe if you get closer, it could be an argument, but I don't know how anyone in the other rounds voted against him. And that's nothing against Eric and that's nothing against Delaney, the like. I want to know. We should we should be outing and screenshotting who voted against Ashton and let them see. Let Ashton deal with that himself. Oh yeah, I'm actually. I'm probably gonna do that. I, I love like, doing. Like if, any, if anyone knew Ashton would see it, no one would vote against Ashton <laughs> <laughs> ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I might just fuck with him, but uh, uh, but yeah, I, I could see that. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I we're talking about. The guy who has the highest good lift points currently in the uh, USAPL and IPF, he's had an insane 2020. Who he's and he's propelled himself to the hottest USAPL lifter right now. And yeah, I think it's clear that you have to move him on. Uh, Connor Borkert, you know, we alluded to last time when he went against Jonathan Garcia uh, of you know what, what was going to happen in the next round, but. I think people are starting to acknowledge uh, Connor Borker as being, you know, a, a a great lifter, and he can find himself contending for a crown in 93 kilos that is highly prestigious at this point because we got Jonathan Keiko and another lifter that uh, that I, I think I think it's on two white lights that we kind of failed to spotlight. Yeah, he wasn't. Uh, yeah, he wasn't on the list, and so I apologize, Cameron Smith. And I continue to overlook you. Every time we do an episode and I see you post another lift, I'm like, crap, why am I not talking about Cameron Smith? It's unfortunate just because he hasn't competed in a while and he's made a lot of progress since. He didn't make it into our top 32 men. But Cameron Smith looks like he might be able to go like 875. Yeah. And so I need to take back saying Connor's a lock for two. Connor is not a lock for two if Cameron puts that on the platform. And he's it's going to be a battle. There. See, Cameron's not going to get his full due diligence since he wasn't in the bracket. Um, but if someone's looking for an underdog who's being slept on and being slept on by us and we owe an apology to, it's Cameron Smith. Yeah, and a lot of them... Connor, like you said, he just kind of ran into Ashton. He honestly had a pretty tough road here. I mean, he had a tough round one match against Jamar. If you had voted for Jamar, I wouldn't have argued one bit if, you, if the fan vote went Jamar and you voted for... I mean, Jamar could have easily won that. That was a very close battle. And then Connor had to go against Jonathan. That was a close battle, and we debated that back and forth, and that was a two-to-one split, too. Connor hasn't had an easy matchup yet, and he was able to still get here. He's a phenomenal lifter. He just ran in to the scariest man on this planet. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely on that one. And, you know, it only helps in 93s as far as, like, going forward when we do more of these brackets because uh, the big argument in college basketball itself is, like, conference strength. And that actually helps your seeding, like how your conference is. And the 93s right now are like turning into the resurgence of the Pac-12. Of how good they, how, uh, how many good lifters are starting to, to show up. And not, like like we said about Keiko at the beginning of the show, he might be the same lifter Atwood is currently in a, in, you know, a year's span or two years span. So, and uh, you know, when you throw that in, when you throw Cameron Smith in, and when you throw in um, Bob Matthews in there too, another guy that was potentially a bubble lifter. Uh, the 93s are, might turn into the 83s as far as like this crazy competitiveness going from 2 to two to the 8 range as far as rankings going. Connor's right in the thick of that. Connor, 
again, again, we we uh, people I think are finally acknowledging that he is a, 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 a terrific lifter. He is an elite level lifter. He deserves to be in these conversations of like top five guys. But um, Ashton is a buzzsaw. Yeah, you know we're. The reiterate 93s. 93s, in my opinion, was very underwhelming about three or four years ago. I think John Hack could almost win the 93s back then. It was fairly underwhelming, and it wasn't it, even even going in the 2019 Nationals. I don't want I don't want to say it was underwhelming, but we didn't see that separation yet. Now we see finally that separation. We see Keiko, we see Borker, we see Cameron Smith. Um, I don't want to crown Bob Matthews yet at being there, but I, I've got hope he can under Marcellus, and I think he might make a massive jump. You've got Gavin, Gavin Aiden. I'm not going to sleep on Chance Mitchell. I'm not sure Chance is quite with Connor, but I don't want to sleep on him because Chance just continually plugs away and has really good platform performance, and so Chance is always going to be in that picture too. But, I mean, like, if you look back to 2016 or 17, whenever the last time Lane Norton won, he won with an 800-kilo total. Yeah. 800 kilo total isn't even competitive anymore in 93. Like, nope. I don't even know if that's top 20. Well, we were saying uh, me and Oriega had this conversation. It might, at Raw Nationals 2022, or uh, yeah, 2022, an 800 kilo total might get you fifth or sixth in, in qualifying. Oh. In, the, in the qualifying. It might seriously get you fifth in 83s. Yeah. Right now, right, you could see. Possibly eight lifters. Possibly eight lifters totaling eight hundred. Not saying that eight lifters are going to total eight hundred, but possibly they all have the potential based on their training to total eight hundred in eighty threes. So yeah, if you're talking about ninety threes, like eight hundred is eight fifty. What's up? I think it'll be eight fifty for ninety threes. Yeah, there'll be five or six people that will total eight fifty plus for twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the. Uh, and I think the the biggest growth as far as like weights go has been in the ninety three division and eighty three uh, divisions as well. Um, so yeah, and that's only gonna again when we do these brackets, it's gonna help the ninety three. You might see more ninety threes get seated higher, or uh, we might actually open up this thing to uh, to sixty four for each men and female. Really, really put you to work on this one. Um, and I, and and I mentioned Bob Matthews because he was just left off. Though we had Gavin, we had uh, we had Chance on here. We had a lot of ninety threes on here. Bob and uh, Cameron were might have been those bubble lifters um, on there as well. So yeah, those guys I think um, are are definitely within that top ten range. Uh, we have Ashton moving on here. That would be a clean sweep in the Stoic region. And now I wouldn't I wouldn't say this is the closest one. Uh, I don't know if I'll compare it as far as my decision goes with uh, Sam and Brown or Austin Dennis. But this one is definitely the highlight. This is the, I think, right now, powerlifting's best rivalry. Russ Sorhe and Sean Noriega, I think the only two people who are in the same weight class. Yep. Right now. Match of the weight classes, so. And it's, it's a, not like, it's, and it's not like, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a weight class battle of, of like, who's, it, it is a long-standing one first two. It has been one first two for a very long time. Bonnie Coleman versus Jay Cutler. Yeah. Larry Magic. Yeah. Uh, that's all the sports analogies I can think of off the top of my head right now. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, you got Sean and Russ. I mean, they're likely going to be one and two. Now, 
I saw Brandon Petre was was using my say, thing and saying, don't call Jamar ceiling third. I get that. I am going to still say, if Russ and Sean bring everything they have and they have a perfect meet, I don't think anyone else is touching them yet. But yeah. let's understand one thing. They're going to have to battle, and neither of them want to get second. I don't think either of them probably care about getting second, third, fourth, or fifth. They care about getting first or your last. Like, I, I, I'm not really sure. So they're both going to do whatever it takes to pull for the win. So I do get that there could be someone that sneaks in because if they've got to make a big jump to pull for the win, either of them, and they don't hit that lift, you, Jamar, Delaney, um, Edward Taylor, could very Deuce, well. Gruden. Gruden. Gruden, sorry. Yes, Gruden for sure. Could very well sneak in there. If, neither, if either one of them, either one, has to pull for the win and misses it, or two, they don't have a perfect meet. But if all things go well, and I think pretty much through this bracket, we, we have to think of best-case scenario. We're not we're not foreseeing uh, people having terrible meets, per se. Like We're not like projecting them to miss and go five for nine. We're projecting what is their top end. Russ and Sean are going to be there. Yeah. I am going to say, and yes, I'm probably biased, but I also know – lifters are going to be capable of. I said with the matchup of Brittany Sublicki versus Megan Scanlon that it was hypocritical, but I said Megan is the favorite, but I believe Brittany will win. And then I voted for Brittany. Russell Orgy is the favorite, as he should be, but I think Sean's going to win. Yeah, I really don't have any issues with you saying that. I, if, if someone voted for Noriega in this situation, I would have no issues with that because, again, we're talking about who we think is going to win either the their respective weight classes at Raw Nationals or be the best lifter at USAPL Raw Nationals in 2021. And you saying that makes sense to me. And I've said it before on the podcast where right now Noriega has built the momentum he needs to beat Russ. It is going to be who executes better on the platform that's it now with my decision and i think this is actually i think a lot of people have been guilty of this i think right now we can talk about russ's platform rust if you will because he hasn't competed in a while i don't know if i mean hell i don't even know platform rust is a real thing like how hard is it to get back on a platform and do something what does what does make this decision closer for me is that weight cut. That weight cut of not being on the platform and actually going under a contest prep and putting those numbers out on the platform. That, to me, actually does matter, and that's something Russ hasn't been able to do since 2019 due to, you know, COVID. Um, And Noriega has been the busier of the two. He has done it twice, and he's done it in a more national type of setting. So that's why this is becoming really close for me. Because I think if you take the two and, you know, eliminate that completely, then I'm going Russ because I need to, I need, I need evidence and proof that Nori is going to out total him if we take that away. But I do actually have that evidence. I do have Nori, you know, having the, the two successful meets, being on the platform often, going through a weight cut, you know, being prime, being fresh and, you know, taking that total in the raw nationals. But here's where I keep pulling myself back. Russ isn't sitting on his ass eating Cheetos and fucking, you know, uh, doing nothing with his time. He's working his ass off in the gym still. 
He's still putting together big singles. He's still getting in the gym and doing what he needs to do. He hasn't stayed stagnant since then. And if I'm going to be given that, I still have to trust that Russ is going to go on the platform and total something over 840. And I thought the potential was there for 2019. And really, all he has to do is squat lower. And that really happens. I think he ends up hitting those, you know, those lifts afterwards if he ends up getting the, the at depth. And right now with his training, he's not he's never going to be an ass to grass squatter. But he's not squatting in training noticeably higher than he was in 2019 Ron Ashes. He's not doing that. Right now he seems to be squatting lower. I think always there's gonna be a question mark with his depth. Because that's the type of squatter he is. I even think Noriega is the same one. Like, every time I look at Noriega's squat, I'm like, it's close. It's closer than, say, my squat or something. I, I you know, I get noticeably lower. But it's it's closer than those, than um, certain lifters. Right now, what I see from Russ is still good. It's still something that could win Raw Nationals. And when you compare the two, they both actually almost had the same weaknesses. Right now, people forget that Russ had some issues performing on the platform as well. He did miss lifts. He, you know, he did underperform at certain meets. Um, and same thing with Noriega. I think right now the evidence that I'm given is when they match up head to head, which they have before, Russ has bested him. And right now, I just can't think of a scenario. I, right now, I just can't can't completely eliminate that from my mind. And close my eyes and being like, okay, Nori is going to be the national champion in 83. I just can't do that right now. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason that nothing is showing that Russ is not going to bring a better performance to the platform than he has before. He, I mean, it would be unbelievably shocking if the 8833 kilo American record total slash world record total is destroyed by one of them. Yeah. We're going to see more from Russ. I mean, I'm going to, we're, I mean, see, we're still is, seeing a lot this, from this, Russ, too. It's not like a, he's not is, showing us anything. He's showing us a lot right now. Aside from his deadlift. I haven't seen a lot from his deadlift. So, there is one thing about Russ. And this is unbiased. This is not me coaching Sean. This is before I ever coached Sean. Something about Russ. This is the time period right now. He always hits his biggest lifts. And then we see it to start to taper off a little bit going into meat a little bit. He always, about 8 to 12 weeks out, hits these crazy numbers. Probably because he's a little bit heavier body weight. Um, probably because there's, he definitely has some issues in how once his squat goes up, his bench goes down because of the low bar aspect of it. Um, and I think that might happen to his deadlift a little bit. They start to correlate. And then he definitely has a bit more of a, uh, weight cut that, uh, masked his strength going into the meet. Yeah. Where Sean a bit more is going to hit what he hits in the gym, if not a bit more. So we're all going to, I guarantee this, we're going to see Russ putting up numbers that looks like it's going to beat Sean. I think that starts to even out. In my projections, we're still too far out. I literally could see them tying. I could see them tying. Within that, I think, knowing how Sean's deadlift going, he's going to get the chance to pull last. And I think Sean has fixed his issues with meet day execution. Yes. I've, I've said that in the past before, um, especially working under you. I think meet day execution is no longer a thing. 
I don't think that's a problem for Noriega. Um, I said the same thing about Russ, though, after IPF Worlds. Yeah, I mean, Russ did great there. Yeah. But, I mean, I heard, and Russ said this on another podcast, that Sean's, he, he kind of alluded to Sean's meat was a local meat. Well, Sean's meat was not local, per se. He had to travel. And he had two national refs and an IPF ref. Yeah. And he got a, he got, did not get a single red light for technicality. Now, Russ has done that before. He did that at IPF Worlds. We're going to see if he brings that to Raw Nationals. He definitely did not bring that to the last Raw Nationals. Just purely based on strength and what they're doing in the gym, I could very much see why people think Russ is going to win. And he should be the favorite because of that. I just think in knowing what Sean is going to be capable of, um, I, I think he's going to he's going to be able to win. I really do. Now, more that you talk, the more that I'm getting talked in Noriega right now. In all honesty, the more that you say, th- I mean, more that when you bring this up, the more I get talked to Noriega because it is, it is something that every argument I think of for Russ, I also go and use the same thing with Noriega, and I'm like, well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing, but the only thing that is really stopping me is past performances. Is he's the keys the you know three time national champion back to back to back. He is IPF world uh, champion. He has the all time world record four eighty threes. That is you know completely his. That's the only thing that's stopping me from going to Nori right now. Is that because I'm think I'm I was looking at their training both right now and. The meats, the meats are huge for me. Even if it is a local meat, even if it is a local meat, you still have to prepare for it. Like I just did a local meat. I still prepared the same way I did for the local meat as I did the Arnold or Midwest Prime Time. The pressure wasn't there, but really, I don't, I don't. I guess I'm because I'm not Sean Noriega or Russell Rohe. I don't think that there's that much pressure. I just don't. Like I just, I maybe I just don't feel it, or maybe because I'm not one number one and going for number one and trying to hit those numbers. But like seriously, when I hit 750, I didn't feel that much pressure. Mainly because I'm not getting paid for the shit. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like I, I don't. I, I, that, that argument to me sometimes gets a little like I, I kind of disregard it because I just don't know how much it really matters to Russ and Sean. Like, have they said like, oh, the moment just got to me ever in their lives? And powerlifting? Uh, I mean, both those guys are performers. Yeah. yeah They're good. both athletes and performers. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I just don't think they've ever, like, been like, you know, I just felt too much pressure. That's why I couldn't hit the lift. Like, no, I don't think that's a thing. People th- say it's a thing, and I don't think that. I think that's, like, a, a sports fan thing to say. Is like, a sports I, fan. Like, oh, the pressure just got to him. Like, you know. I think there are people who have performance anxiety. Bryce Lewis is one of them in the past that was very vocal about his performance anxiety. Yeah. And he's fixed that. I definitely think that's a thing. That's not a thing, though, for Sean. Yeah, that's, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, it is a thing, but for those two guys, they've never, like, went out and no. said that. Like, that's – people are kind of labeling it as that. Like, oh, he just – he doesn't perform well under pressure. Like, and, the, I mean, both of them have gotten that for – because prior to IPF Worlds, I remember this, people have said, were saying the same exact thing about Russ, that he doesn't put the numbers that he wants on the platform or the numbers he could hit on the platform because he doesn't perform well under pressure. That's such a crock of shit. The fact that he hit that third deadlift is actually performing under pressure because that's the most pressure-filled situation is you not bombing uh, at, at a huge stage like that. So I, 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 
I don't know. I, I don't. I guess I just that's more of a rant on my part that I just hate that argument for these two guys because I don't think they crumble under pressure um, because I don't think there's a whole lot of pressure there to begin with. But but back to I guess back to back to the argument back to the matchup. It is extremely close, and I'm giving Russ a nod simply due to past performances and them being so close. I just really can't say confidently that. Sean's going to out-total Nori. I mean, Sean's going to out-total Russ on that given day. I just can't say it with complete confidence, but it is closer than than previously imagined in any year. And you've really almost talked me into Noriega here. Like, I, I'm going to – I actually, this is one I'm going to hate myself for. I'm going to hate myself going to vote for Sean, Russ right now. I am going to hate myself. Voted, you went and voted for – you vote. I mean, I almost feel like you had to vote for us because you voted for Daniel Clements over Sean last time. So if you voted for Sean yeah. now, you say Daniel Exactly. Russell. Like, that's – well, I mean, I guess it's a different scenario because we're talking about, like, the best 63-kilo guy or, like, the I think the odds-on favorite right now against guys mm-hmm. who are extremely close in – it wouldn't be this, like – it's within their own weight class. You know what I yeah. mean? I'm it's, sure we're going to talk about this again. We're going to talk about – we're probably going to do a preview episode oh, yeah, on we're, national I mean, hell, this I mean, is, I mean it'll be the last conversation. And the next time we talk about this, we're probably going to have a little more information because we're going to see the next eight to ten weeks of training and probably do an episode two weeks out and be able to really kind of lay out what we're what we're seeing. So I might have to talk to Russ again. I might have to get him on two white lights. I might have to reach out and say uh, if he wants to go on two white lights because I need some of this information. And I mean, I uh, obviously I'm going to ask Noriega to come on, but he's been on two white lights. He's, you know, two white lights favorite competitor at this point. So. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Russ on this one. I'm gonna side with the fans, um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the hardest decision I think I've made on this whole thing, just simply because it's in the, it's in my weight class that I'm competing in, and it's hard for me right now to really say that about Noriega. Yeah, you know, wait, wait, I'm, I'm gonna throw something out for what we voted. You voted Russ. I voted Sean. That means Russ wins two to one. Here's a or a move. If you had to head them, who would you be more? Who would you fear more? Russ. Yeah, I mean, I think that answers the question for you more than anything of what who you think should win if you fear if you fear Russ more. Yeah, yeah. I I, I guess yeah. I guess it would be it would be Russ. I, I I guess you could go based on the squat. You know what I mean? Just like once you see the squat, you get you know you're you're in the competition so early, and you see the yeah. potential he has on squat. That's that could really that could you know put that could put a dagger into a lot of competitors early. That's the same thing with Jamar. You know, like I think Jamar recently has been uh, you know throwing up this progress, but again, that squat could really put him out ahead early, and it's going to be hard for a lot of people to keep up with that. And yeah, the difference between and I agree there because that's scary. I actually really get that because it's kind of like in any sport when you get down early, that's scarier than being ahead. Yeah, I mean, no one wants to be down early. The difference with Russ is he can pull too. Yeah. Now, is he going to hold on? Because that's been an issue at his mock meet, and I believe at Raw Nationals he dropped his third deadlift too. No, he just didn't get that. He didn't get it. Yeah, couldn't remember for sure. Yeah, I remember uh, it just wasn't it wasn't uh, his deadlift it's that day. In, it's been an issue in training. But yeah. Either way, Russ has a pull to where like he would have the lead on squats, and then he's going to be able to still pull with you. That's where I think Jamar, twenty twenty two is going to be unbelievably interesting in 83 because I think by 2022, you're going to have multiple people 
starting to catch up to Russ and Sean. Yeah. And I, but I think with Jamar, if we're just critiquing him alone, his pull's going to have to get up there to be able to be, I don't know if competitive is the right word, but the issue always is, is if you have a pull that's not stacking up as well in that weight class, the people who have the pull, like you, like Russ, like Sean, um, they're going to get to dictate who gets the chance to win. Yeah. Every single time. I agree, but this is, I mean, like, I think, I've been getting into some, you know, arguments about Jamar recently, and it would be, again, like, because I love the guy so much, it'd be great to see him win, but another factor that plays into this big time is the weight. The weight cut for Russ and Jamar. As you get more season and as you go further into sports, that weight cut becomes more difficult. Ask John Hack. It becomes hard. It becomes difficult to do that. So looking in the future, you don't know if their performance is either going to stagnate because they either should go up a weight class or that's all they can really do with the weight cut that are, that's given, especially with the two-hour weight cuts. Now, if we're talking 24 hours, I'd get my ass kicked by all these guys. Tomorrow will be beating my ass until next century. Same oh, thing with sure. Russ. Yep. Like, that's, that's, that's the reality of it, but it's two-hour weigh-ins. That's the big thing. So... That, that weight cut, that weight cut for me is very important, especially when you start getting on the 195 to 200 range. When you start weigh, actually weighing in at 93 kilos or getting close, closer to 93 kilos than you are to 83, then the weight cut becomes important for me. Yep. And I, I would say the same thing. I would say the same thing with Pug, and I would say the same thing with C. If this if this was a 24 hour weigh in meet, I would say Jamar has a chance to win. Yeah. Yeah, for uh, sure. But we, just don't, we just don't have proof yet in that scenario how he's going to do it. I, I I have zero doubt he's going to bring his best performance ever. I have no doubt, and I feel like it's going to be way more consistent with what he does in training. But until we see what he does in particular, I don't think we can crown him with Sean and Russ yet. Just like we can't crown you with Sean and Russ yet. Just like Delaney, too. I, no one can be crowned with him yet until proven that anyone can hang with him because they've just they've just been on their own level yeah well that's a lot of people you know recently have been reaching out to me about that and whenever i say this whenever you have to rely on other people missing lifts you shouldn't talk about being number one if that if that's your only that's that's your only path to number one when other people suck you shouldn't talk about being number one that goes out for all you fucking 17 through 21 year old lifters in the usapl shut up about being number one if you have to rely on everyone lifting missing their lifts uh, that's not that's not a thing. All of this breakdown is us assuming people make lifts. Yeah, like not assuming I'm anyone always. Not, there's question marks that people could miss lifts, but we're assuming they're going to make their lifts and who can win if they yeah. make their lifts. If you're if you're a competitor, don't assume people are going to miss lifts. Don't assume that. Go and compete and try to go nine for nine because uh, you know you're going to be you're you're going to you're going to be awfully disappointed if you're going to rely on the high level com- performers not going nine for nine. I think they could happen to seventy fours with Pug and Atwood. Yeah, and it's like, well, if Atwood misses, like, yeah, all right, you already lost, bud. If Atwood misses, that's where you lost yourself. Like, you don't rely on Atwood missing lifts. But, all right, that I think actually was the appropriate time to spend on those two because I think uh, that that it could be the highlight of the show and it would be highlights of many shows. It's always going to be Russ Orhe and Sean Oriega. But that will do it for the Stoic region. So our matchups are Dennis and Atwood, one first three, 
Rouska and Russell. That's going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, one, one first two on that side. Um, and, uh, yeah, for the Stoic region. And now to finish off the Project Strength region, we got Heather Connor, number one, and Brittany Saplicki, number five, Battle of North Carolina. The North Carolina matchup here. Um, I guess it could be uh, Duke and North Carolina if we're doing it this way. I, I don't. I don't want to call either of them Duke because I don't want to be that. Uh, what's the right word for it? That mean? That's not that, that disrespectful. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's. I don't think it's disrespectful to call anyone Duke, though. Right? Like that's well, a compliment. Very disrespectful. Duke is the trash of the NCAA. I yeah, but in they're, the they're sense the of in the sense of what? <laughs> they're, they're the Chicago Cubs of college basketball. I would love for the Chicago Cubs to have the success of Duke. I would lo- well, they're they're more similar to the Cardinals because they cheat. Sydney, Sydney Crosby is a Duke fan, guaranteed. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could talk about fandoms, but they cheat like the Cardinals did that one time. Remember when they were taking scouts from uh, the Houston Astros? Remember that? Single baseball team in the Houston Astros were just the worst cheaters. Well, yeah, but that happened. The Cubs don't have a cheating allegation. I mean, the FBI had to really go into the St. Louis Cardinals organization. It's like college football. No one gets in trouble in the NCAA for paying players until they win, like, seven national titles. And they're like, oh, you must be paying your players. We got to ban you. They don't They don't go ban teams that suck. Who cares? Like, it's like it's like drug testing the person who gets last place. And they popped. Like, well, yeah, he got popped. But, like, who cares? Like, he no. just, that's literally more embarrassing well, than I'm, he took stare Yeah, but still, last. I'm still offended about I'm still offended about you saying the Cubs are the Duke fan because one, it'll be great to have the Duke accolades as a Cubs fan. We don't have that. More comparable is Cardinals and Duke. Both have accolades and both have been caught at cheating in the past. So back on to our subject with Heather Connor, Brittany Saplicki. I guess we can call them both the North Carolinas, the Tar Heels, yeah. just to make Steve Denovi happy. We have a battle here. And Brittany Saplicki has moved on in this competition very well. I think that it's going to be interesting seeing her progress. But like Ashton, like Amanda Lawrence, like all the other number one seeds, Heather Connor is Heather Connor. Yeah, and Heather Connor seemingly might win the 52 kilo class at 47. So right now, if we take all the number one seeds, uh, maybe minus Amanda. Actually, you know what? Let's, let's actually up it. Even including Amanda, Heather Connor has put together something in training right now that is showing that she is potentially building more momentum than every single number one seed on this list right now, including Ashton Rouska, including Amanda Lawrence, and including Taylor Atwood. I think we've seen Taylor, Ashton, and Amanda, what they can do, and they're progressing, but they haven't had a big bump like Heather has. We haven't seen Heather back on the platform. I mean, she doesn't really have to cut. And so, assuming she can put together what she's doing in the gym on the platform, she's probably going to go 420 kilo plus, which could win 52 kilos. Yeah. That's insane. And it, even if 47 is less, like, competitive, it doesn't matter because she'd win 52, which is more competitive. Yeah. I, right now, based on what I see from her, I know her last meet. Her last meet she did, because she did compete in 2020, wasn't uh, wasn't what we're seeing in the gym right now. It was a great meet, but something we're not seeing in the gym right now. But that, I, I think, needs more of a spotlight, and it's going to be definitely an argument moving forward for Heather Connor. Uh, she did win on fans voting 
Uh, she has my vote right now, but I, I, I can't. With all the lifters on this, even you know, in the entirety of the lifters of this bracket, there is no elite lifter who is making the bumps in training. And I think there was something she was stalling on for a little bit was that 400 pound deadlift, and now she seemingly got through that little stall and made pro. And if you could put on that much on your deadlift and that much onto your total, you possibly are looking. Uh, of her getting the highest good lift points at Raw Nationals. Yeah. Um, she's going to have, I'm doing the calculations. If she added 50 pounds to her total, she still wouldn't beat Amanda's current total. Um, or GL score, the 122, like Heather would have to do, what would Heather have to do? Heather would have to do 930. And 930, what's that in kilos? Oh, actually, that's 422. So, yeah, she could. She 100% could take down Amanda based off of her Amanda hitting similar to the same thing and then Heather seemingly hitting what she's doing in the gym. Yeah. She, she looks like she's put on 20 kilos alone on her deadlift, let alone her total as a whole. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Heather, Heather, Heather could walk away best overall lifter and best performance all time, and I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. And at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if Brittany Sublicki wins the 57-kilo class. Her training looks like it's going phenomenal right now. She's, I, I was looking at some of her squats, and I think her deadlift the other day, and she's crushing it. It's just the fact that like her performance is very on par with what we expect with 57-kilo. Uh, Heather's is just be, is otherworldly. It's, it's, not, it's not from this planet currently. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a very similar matchup to a lot of the other, you know, like even just because I think Brittany Saplicki is a future national champion, but now we're comparing national champions to each other, and Heather Connor is on that kind of like the Mount Rushmore of national champions right now, uh, just in all of powerlifting, all in the USAPL. Yeah, I think you have to put her face on it as far as just the p- person who stands out as far as their weight class goes and surpasses all weight class expectations. So. I think right now uh, she moves on to the next round. I think we have a clean sweep. Excited to see what Brittany does uh, w- within the 57-kilo weight class. Uh, I know that's going to be an interesting battle moving forward. Uh, possible national championship there, but, you know, Heather's a one seed for a reason. Yeah. All right, so we got Heather moving on to the Project Strength region, and the next matchup we have Daniela Mello, number two, for Andrea Riley, number six, the lowest seeded person in this list was Andrea Riley, who made the biggest progress. She's uh, she's the James Madison of uh, this March Madness. Yeah, I mean, even between men and women, she she made it the furthest, and rightly so. Like I said, I, I think I think there's a very high likelihood she wins 52 kilo. Um, but she's gonna have a strong battle. She's going to have a hard battle on her hands to beat Marissa, not only because Marissa is really strong, but Marissa has, has been in these situations before of battling at a national championship. But on the other end, we've got Daniela Mello, who probably could walk in without really trying to train too hard, hit her openers, and win the 76-kilo class. Yeah, that's really my argument going forward with it, too, is just... Uh, I, I said the last episode, I think people are forgetting how amazing Daniela Mello is as a competitor, uh, because she has been on the platform in such a long time. And just to take a step back and realize what she's done, because we're talking about Amanda Lawrence right now, right? With her good lift points. And when you take it back to 2019 IPF worlds, they were that close 
that close from from being, you know, Amanda Lawrence, the top lifter, or Daniela Mello, after a, a top lifter, and really even after the competition, people were so like, yeah, I think Daniela Mello is the best lifter in the USAPL and IPF, regardless of weight class or regardless of uh, gender or weight class, um, and that still needs to be put into factor, especially at a new weight class. Uh, a brand new weight class going down, if you use somewhat of her old total, she's going to win it easily. Um, and I think you still have to give her that respect. Um, and it, and it's, it's an interesting battle because of that, because it's a new weight class, because we're already talking about a solidified weight class that Andrea Riley can win to take over uh, someone who's had a hold on the division for a long time. And we're talking about a new weight class. So what do you value more? Do you value the new weight class or the one that's already solidified. And if it was a different lifter, was in Daniela Mello, it might be a different uh, conversation. Like, I guess Chandler Babb for Sandrea Riley. Mm-hmm. You know? Then that becomes a actual debate. Like, okay, who is going to reign supreme there if we're going based on either opinion, fans voting? Like, who would, who would get the nod there? But Daniela Mello is a different... St- scenario uh one you know uh nationals in spokane had that amazing performance at ipf worlds and in a new weight class where if you just again take her you know going four for nine or five for nine winning the weight class easily it's it's hard to vote against her yeah yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see how danielle performs that's going to be a little bit more of a conversation um next round when she goes up against heather connor because one of them we've seen a lot more training from. The other one hasn't competed in a while. We haven't seen as much training from. So that's where it gets a little bit more interesting. But even with that, Daniela could we could have not seen any videos from her in, in a year. And we would still mark her down as the heavy, heavy favorite to win that win class. And the heavy, heavy favorite to be one of the top three lifters at Raw Nationals. Yeah. Um, she seemingly always performed well at Nationals. Um, and came with her best. I mean, the last time we saw her go head-to-head at Nationals with someone, she came out on top on Amanda when Amanda was seemingly coming in to be the favorite that year in 2018. Um, 2019 at Worlds was obviously an unbelievably close battle that just came down to body weight. So, like, we haven't seen any reason why Daniela can't go toe-to-toe with the absolute best. So, I mean, we, we should expect nothing less because she's always brought it to the platform. Yeah, I, I, I would completely agree with you on that one. And again, that's what shows how good of a lifter Danielle Mello is um, and how much of that needs to be respected going forward. Uh, I guess the person, you know, to look out for, uh, I think Chandler Babb and Andrea, Andrea Riley won that as far as this March Madness bracket goes. Like the most, uh, uh, as far as just the most underrated lifters go and uh, who is going to, you know, top each other as far as that goes. Uh, and especially with the Chandler Bab new weight class and Dre Riley going into, you know, the 52 kilo division. So, uh, we do have Daniela moving on here. That's a clean sweep. The fans definitely had her on that as well. But we look at the brackets here. Here are our matchups. So we are getting into the thick of things and the real interesting debates you're going to get are coming forward. So in the female side, we have Amanda Lawrence going against Bonica Brown. That's going to be fun. Heather Connor and Daniela Mello for the Project Strength region. Atwood and Dennis for the Leflar Bros region. And Ashton Roska and Russ Orhe for the Stoic region. Uh, next week's going to be fun when we debate those. Yeah, those are... Uh, yeah, all four of those 
I don't think there's a wrong answer for it. And a lot, it'll honestly be interesting to see the fans vote because that's definitely going to play into it. Because I think a lot of these we may disagree. There definitely could be ones we disagree on, and the fan vote could be the the tiebreaker there. Yeah, yeah. This is actually the week that the fan vote might be the most important vote uh, because it might actually dictate an actual decision here. Where I think we were overriding a lot of them. I think the the biggest one for me was Daniel Clemens and Sean Oriega. I think if more people knew what Daniel Clemens can do, the fan voting would have a little bit would have been a little bit closer in that. But yeah, uh, the fans voting is going to be huge. Remember, guys, to vote on our Instagram stories. Make sure you're following us on Instagram to check out the brackets as they release. We don't mind a little comments in the section. Uh, I had I, I love when this happens when someone comments that, oh, I already know who's going to win. It's like, okay, then put your predictions on there. Then they fucking DM me like a bitch. Don't DM me. Say your predictions so people can publicly see who you favor. Don't DM me your things. Like The reason why I put the comment section there and encourage you guys to comment is so you comment and actually start a conversation. Are you saying you don't block comments from anyone you don't follow? No, I keep everyone's comments on there, and I respect all comments equally. That's cool. That's, more people should do that. If, they, uh, if they're putting things that are opinionated, they should allow comments from people that don't follow them. Yeah, I agree. That, that, that you don't follow personally. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. We're, you know, and I, I guess, I, I guess, you know, we might like some of that toxic shit on uh, Two White Lights, but still, like, I, I, I love that. I love it. Like, man, it's so easy to see who's going to win. Okay, tell me, dude. You know, check your DMs. Like, you little coward. You jabroni. You comment in the thing. We should just, they should just screenshot it. They de- it, it. There should be a disclaimer in the bio. If you DM Two White Lights, you are giving permission to screenshot this and make it public. Remember, nothing is private. Nothing is private information. Everything can be publicly released. But yeah, I yeah, I hate I hate that. I hate when people do that. Um, well, like, what's gonna happen, dude? Is Ashton Rouska gonna like kill you if you vote against him or Connor Borker? Shake their hand and crush their hand on accident. Yeah, I mean that's that's the worst that can happen. So that's not that's not even that bad. But yeah, like, who are you gonna upset, dude? Like, just do it. Just that that's the re- like, especially the people commenting. Like, just do it. Don't be afraid. But we do actually have news today. Yeah. So the showdown meet, the the meet that has really captured the imagination and interest and curiosity of pretty much every single powerlifter, uh, untested or tested, raw or multiply, uh, has released information that I think was already like available to us. It was it was prior. It was known. That they were going to be on core sports, correct? That was known information. Yes. Okay, so announced on the showdown. Okay, yeah. So that was known information. Joe Sullivan posted on his page that Core Sports is a partner of ESPN, and if the meet goes amazingly according to plan, everyone shows out. They're going to get like a hour long, hour and a half long presentation on the worldwide leader of sports, ESPN, and. That's huge news. Whenever powerlifting, especially this type of powerlifting, this is the type of powerlifting we want to see on ESPN because uh, WPO was on ESPN3, the live stream app, and that, you know, I, I think a lot of uh, lifters have opinions on what type of powerlifting they want to see be broadcasted on ESPN. But this is huge news because it's a showdown meet, and we are going to see potentially the unifying type of meet where you get tested and untested lifters on the worldwide leader sports and you have the spotlight that is not 
that has not been given to to uh, to powerlifting in a very long time. Actually, some would say it's unprecedented. I would say, well, full powerlifting has been in a long yes. time. We did get on ESPN during the pandemic with the bench press competition. Yes, I assume Joe Sullivan knew that. Um, apparently, through the comments, he did not know that. Yes, it was on ESPN. I was watching it in my basement. It was right after SportsCenter. They actually led into it. SportsCenter, like, and now, whatever the meet was called, is going, you know, they, they led into it. So it was on ESPN 1. It was on ESPN 1. It wasn't ESPN 2. It was ESPN, the main ESPN. So uh, even uh, my friend, uh, my buddy who works at Total Hockey, uh, he messaged me. He's like, yo, there's powerlifting right now on ESPN. I'm like, yeah, I know. Sweet, right? Pretty cool. Yeah, this would be huge. It would be amazing. And I hope it happens. But I'm also being a realist. I'm on Core Sports World right now. They're also streaming Thor Bjornsson in a boxing match. Okay. Is that it? Wait, is it, is it, that hasn't happened yet, right? There's more coming. He's already done a couple. Oh. He just fought, it looks like, on January 16th through Core Sports World. Oh, God, I forgot. You just reminded me about that dumbass boxing match that's going to suck. No, the, only, the only thing I'm going to say here, I don't know if Hall, did any Hall versus Theo Bjornsson ever happen? Because that was supposed to be on Core Sports as well. I don't remember that ever happening. So maybe none of this has ever happened. Yeah. Whatever it is. That's the only thing I'm going to say. If I'm being a realist here. If Jord Bjornsson boxing, the mountain from Game of Thrones doesn't end up on ESPN, I'm not sure they're going to pick out powerlifting is what they're going to pull from poor sports world to come to ESPN. I, I actually, I might disagree with you on that only because it's not a freak show, if you will, where Thor, Thor boxing is kind of a freak show and kind of stupid. Isn't and that what not, they're going to want, though, if they're wanting obscure sports? No, I, I, think, I think ESPN will still err on the side of serious sports content. Okay. I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that as very legitimate. Because because it is like ESPN. ESPN is actually like quite serious. You know what I mean? Like they're they're serious about like things now. I I think they've always been, but I think uh, they're not really like they know they're always going to get their ratings, and they know what actually gives them their ratings. Like ESPN presents, you know, NBA shoot around than the Lakers playing. Like, that's what gives them their ratings. Like, this, like, even, no matter what you put on ESPN, like, powerlifting, they'd be like, okay, we can take a ratings hit right now because, you know, we got SportsCenter and we got Baseball Tonight and we got NBA Shootaround and we got, you know, uh, NFL Live. We have all these things. We could even do training camp coverage and we'll get shit ton of ratings. They're the worldwide leader in sports for a reason. So, yeah, I actually think powerlifting is a more presentable thing to give ESPN than Thor boxing. And I just find it dumb. Uh, I really hope it happens. I'm just not going to keep my. I'm not just so it's clear. This is that's not like a for sure thing. Like that's just a possibility. And so it'd be really cool if it happens. I think the bigger story here is not that could we be on ESPN because I think that's just that's that's a, that's a, that's a chance, but nothing guaranteed by any means. The bigger thing is this is probably going to be the best live stream for any powerlifting meet that's ever happened. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's uh, the big story. whether whether this ends up on ESPN or not. As people within powerlifting who like powerlifting, this is going to be the most viewable meet possibly ever presented. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's uh, that's a thing that I told uh, the showdown uh, a meet director because very clear that it wasn't a done deal that they're going to be on ESPN. Um, but I said, I'm like, it's it's okay that it's not a done deal if it doesn't end up on ESPN. 
it's going to be incredibly important for the content and the production value of powerlifting going forward. And that's what we need. Like it, any, really anything helps, but this is going to be huge for the production value of meets. Uh, people can see this. The standard can be set. You can see more of this type of presentation going forward due to whatever we see the showdown doing. And I'm very confident with the people involved in the showdown, with the competitors at the showdown, that it is going to be a very smooth operating type of an event. Um, and there's really no disrespect to what was going on in ESPN prior to that. Just there's more there's more money involved. There's more money involved in the showdown meet than what was presented on ESPN initially. Um, and I and I said this on the I think you even said on King of Lifts like first time through the wall always you're always gonna get bloody. And I think that's what happened with Julius Maddox's bench press. Like it was the first time on ESPN, and it there was issues. But you see those issues, and you could fix upon them from then on out. And you can get more sponsors involved. You get more money involved to make that production value a little bit better. Um, the big question I had, which I mean, this is, I, I guess, just from a curiosity standpoint, you know, what does this mean for the future of powerlifting? Because I think the important thing to to acknowledge here is, and we talked about this on Two White Lights before, is what's going to be presented on BSPN. Drug tested or not drug tested powerlifting. So if you start seeing more of drug tested meat or non drug tested meats on ESPN, then where does that what happens to the content and what happens to the acknowledgement of it? Like, is it going to turn into world strongest games where you just simply don't acknowledge it? Like, which they shouldn't. That's my opinion. Don't acknowledge it. Don't acknowledge any of that. But then you have the USAPL whose label. What Garrett Fear brought up when he was on is the world-leading drug-free uh, powerlifting federation or something. Yeah. Like, and what does that happen with the future of it? We had, a, we had a lengthy discussion with Garrett, and I think since then I've kind of thought more. If you look at who we can compare to, let's say Strongman and let's say CrossFit. Strongman is not on ESPN. One Strongman competition is on ESPN. Yeah. CrossFit isn't on ESPN. One CrossFit competition is. It's not the sport is on ESPN. It's one singular competition. And so what the possibility is, is having this one singular competition each year that's on ESPN. That's not going to be IPF Worlds. IPF Worlds or Raw Nationals is too big. It's too big of a meet because you can't yeah. condense it into a show. It has to be something, I mean, just like World's Strongest Man. Like you can't have 800 competitors to somehow broadcast that. It doesn't work. This works really well to have a small meet in well, sense of just the most elite and then have that condensed into one small format. Yeah, well, yeah, so that's the thing. It's going to be condensed. So it's not going to be the live version of it, correct? Yeah. It's going to be the condensed version. So we're already going to know who the winners and losers are, who won, but then it's the interesting conversation, what gets broadcasted on ESPN. They're going to pick the best. I mean, you're, you're not just no offense to everyone that's doing the showdowns a great lifter. They're not going to broadcast the people who are getting last. Yeah. Well, they're going to broadcast. They're going to broadcast John Hack. Yeah. They're going to broadcast Dan Bell. They're going to broadcast Christy Hawkins. They're going to broadcast, um, Mariana competing. I believe so. I know she's doing current. I saw her on the preview, like the pictures. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't see the roster completely. I didn't see her on the roster. I don't know if she's doing it. Let me see. Yeah. 
I can check really quick on that one. But yeah, they're going to they're going to spotlight all those lifters. So I, I guess I think people again, it's a, it's a step moving forward. But people I think jump to conclusions a lot in powerlifting, where it's like okay, the entire showdown meet's going to be broadcast on ESPN. So that means we're going to see all the lifters there. We're going to see Ashton Rouska. We're going to see Sean Noriega. We're going to see Jawan Garrison. We're going to see Daniela Mello. We're going to see all these lifters um, that are big in the sport compete, and that's just not going to be the case. We're going to no. get. The, okay, the, it will be everyone. Yeah, we're, be, we're, yeah. We're, yeah, so, but, like, even the showdown, I, I actually do think, I actually do think Raw Nationals has a bit of a better chance of being on ES, like, as far as just, like, the primetime sessions go, like, that's a two to three hour frame, where the showdown is going to be longer than two and three hours. It's going to be yeah, but there's, all day. No, there's not enough talent in each primetime session. Yeah, you're right. It would have there's to be like one primetime session. There's two to three lifters in a primetime session within Raw Nationals in each weight class that would be that upper echelon. And not saying the other people aren't strong. It's not at all. Like, I mean, I'm going to use you. If, if it was 83 kilo, they're going to highlight mainly Sean and Russ going off in the battle and probably who's going in third and like in the Jamar can hop up and hit that big spot. They can't highlight all 12 people. Yeah. Here, they legitimately could pick. Because it's such, it's just, it's going to be such a deep meet without having all these different weight classes and different times and slots and whatever. They can knit, they can just pick out of this the five best women and the five best men and highlight them in a sixty-minute set in sixty-minute session. Per yeah, that's a very good point. You can condense that, but if I'm going to still put on my natty elitist hat, which I'm always going to do, uh, Sheffield. Well, yeah, hundred percent. Sheffield could be. I, Nationals and IPF worlds, no. Sheffield, 1,000% yes. Yeah, because Sheffield, you have a vast variety of lifters. You have big and small. You have wake, You have uh, male and female. You have the lifters already there. Uh, it's easy to explain, like, okay, this is what happens if you break a record, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's more, I think, a presentable thing. that you, I actually don't even really need to condense. Yeah, and I think Sheffield, I pray it happens, and it's nothing against the showdown. I think the Sheffield has more money because of SBD. Yeah. Well, it seems to have more money. From what it sounds like, that thing wasn't just going to be a meet. It was going to be a sporting event. And they have connections, I think, far-reaching beyond anyone else within the sport of powerlifting other than maybe Steffi Cohen. Yeah. Well, but the, here's, the, here's the other thing that goes on the showdown being, you know, possibly present on ESPN. This could only help Sheffield, right? This could only help yes. the natty side of powerlifting because we already have a product that's going to be on ESPN. So then, okay, let's take what we have and let's bring something to ESPN. Let's bring more powerlifting to ESPN. Let's bring more meets into this as well. So this is why I think the showdown is so important for powerlifting. It's going to be probably a pivotal meet on just the presentation and how powerlifting is viewed to the consumer. And I'm really excited to see that. I'm I'm very, even though, I mean, I actually kind of knew the live stream situation because you know, a, little, a big shout out to all the listeners of Two White Lights who wanted me to do the commentary thing. I, you know, I appreciate that, but they flat out said right away, it's like, we have a live stream team on this already. Like, we, we, we've thought out in core sports. You think, yeah, okay, awesome, fantastic, uh, glad they have that. And yeah, it's going to be a very interesting thing for powerlifting. I'm very excited to see it. Um, and, I, and actually, you know, with core sports and just in general, um, I would love to be in attendance for that meet, but it's just hard to do that. It's going to be fantastic just for me to actually view the thing. We'll do a little. We'll do a little. Uh, 
Instagram live in the back room again. Wait, are we allowed? Are we allowed to do that for this meet? Who knows? I'll be. I, don't know. I assume so. <laughs> no, wait, yeah, wait, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Two White Lights has has uh, as as kind of a relationship uh, as we did at Texas Strength Classic. I don't know. We'll find out. I'll be in the background. Yeah, I'll do we'll whether see. they want me to or not, and kick me out if they want to. But I assume <laughs> that would be completely fine. We're just giving them more uh, uh, clout and outreach. Yeah, coverage. Like, I mean, you know, if you're not covered by Two White Lights, I mean, shit. Like, right? Like. Yeah, got to be mean, covered by two white lights. You want to be relevant? Sure. Two white lights is the uh, is the powerlifting media for you. But yeah, excited to see that. Um, and you know that's gonna do it, I guess, for us. Unless you have something to add. No, I think that's about it. I mean, that's that's like I said, that's huge news to me. More in the sense of the quality of the live stream, it would be super cool if it's on ESPN. But I, that's not a guaranteed thing, and I don't want to like have my hopes up. If it happens, that would be amazing. But I'm more looking at this as like, okay, we're going to have possibly the best live stream we ever have, and that's that's my big win there. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, that's my big win as well. And that's why I told uh, the showdown, like, no matter what, the live stream is going to be fantastic, and that's the step in the right direction. Right now, you got to take baby steps to get to the big prize, and that's ESPN. That's you know the mainstream push that powerlifters want, um, and I think that baby step right now is just presenting powerlifting in a very professional format that I'm very confident showed out. I'll say one more thing. We keep saying ESPN. I don't know if they have any, if it, I don't know much about the core sports world. If it's just, they have some type of rights with ESPN. I feel like we have a better chance of being on CBS sports network. They seem to be the one that's a little bit more involved with strength sports. Um, I, they're the ones that kind of, I don't know if they bought out, but they obviously have some type of rights to world's strongest man. Um, at some point, they think they had CrossFit, and it kind of kept going back and forth between them and ESPN, and then it fell off once someone made tweets that were racist. Um, so, I don't know. I, CBS Sports Network would still be great, too. That's on network television, and it's outreach, so something would be better than nothing. But Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I actually did not know that about CBS Sports, but, you know, I, I get, yeah, ESPN... Um, I just think I think when we say ESPN is like an umbrella for just every sports network because ESPN is and it is NBC, it is ABC, it is CBS now. It is that type of network that is on par with as far as ratings go and um, uh, notoriety and recognizable name. Yeah. So, all right, that's gonna do it for two white lights. We'll see you Monday. Possibly there's gonna be a lot of interviews coming up, so be ready because I have a lot of time to interview. Possibly with Chad Penson uh, coming on Monday. So just get excited for that. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.